too late with Alan Mosley. Why are you yelling at me, Blake? Why am I yelling? I don't know, because uh, I'm just having a good day today. I'm excited. Why not? I'm excited today. You've got to be the only one post whatever the hell that was on TV last night that's having a good day. I didn't watch it. I know you did. I did not watch it. Screw that crap, dude. Blake had texted me at home and said, do I need to take notes on this thing or can I watch Family Guy? And I said, you just you just go ahead and watch it. (laughs) I get all my politics from Family Guy. Well, that's even worse. (laughs) I know it is. Another episode of It's Too Late. I am your host, Alan Mosley, joined as always by the number one producer in late night. It's Blake Osborne. Blake. Hi. How how are are you? you? Good. You doing all right? I'm doing great, man. You know what? You look well lit today. I am very well lit. I, well, n- yeah, it depends, but <laughs> there's a lot of light in here. I don't know. It's... I'll tell you what. I think I we forgot to turn the lights off. I have never in my life watched a whole presidential debate with the intent of like live tweeting it or whatever. Yeah. And I usually will follow someone like our friend Jim Bovard because he does yeah. that and his, and his comments are always excellent. Uh-huh. And I and last night at the last minute I decided, you know what, I'm gonna do it. So first of all, everybody at home needs to go to Twitter and follow me at Alan Mosley TV. Yeah. To, so that they, they can see my commentary from last night. I'm I'm sure it's brutal. We're going to do <laughs> we're gonna do a debate after show. Okay. After this program tonight. Okay. Okay. Uh with our friend Suzanne Sherman. We're Good. gonna talk. It's not gonna be very long. It's probably only gonna be like twenty or thirty mm-hmm. minutes. Depending on how much Suzanne runs her mouth, you know, you know how she is. I don't know. Man. She totally can't hear me talking about her right now. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. So we're we're going to do a little bit of a debate after show, but we're not going to talk about the debate much on this program, okay? Because today we're going to be talking about Amy Coney Barrett, yes, the nominee for the vacancy on the Supreme Court. That's right. That's right. But but since we brought up the debate, you go ahead and pull up that. So this is some footage of last night's debate. <laughs> old man yells at old man. <laughs> Man, I gotta tell you, like this is not hype. Like you guys know me, and, yeah. And and you know that I I have I have a bit of a flair for hyperbole. I like to sometimes exaggerate to make a point. Yep. But I gotta tell you, uh-huh. that was the worst presidential debate I've ever seen in my life. Really? Like holy god! I I, I imagine it's probably the worst. I imagine it's probably the worst. Now I got to go back and watch it, man. I don't know. That's just... In in some sense, it was good. Uh And what I mean by that was, is that I would like to think that at least some small percentage of people tuned in and thought after it was over, well, I know now that this isn't the answer. Right. I know now that I don't want to be ruled by any of these people. They're all just awful <laughs> and i'm just i'm checking out tuning out and that wow. that would be that would be a net positive if people walked yeah. away with that attitude i'm not super hopeful that a lot of people have that i think a lot of people just double down on that. yeah it was it was a travesty but if i'm team left then it was team right's fault and if, yep. it, if i'm team right it was team's left's fault so i'm not super <laughs> hopeful but i'd like to think a, a small percentage of people walk away thinking this is this Let's, hope so. just <laughs> Let's hope so. Just a Let's hope so. But I tell you what, I tell you who did the worst job was Chris Wallace. Okay. Chris Wallace, that weaselly little SOB from Fox News, he uh-huh. was the moderator yeah. for the debate. I think CNN technically was the one hosting it. Uh Chris Wallace from Fox News was was the moderator. Okay. And he had no control 
from the word go. I'm not surprised. (laughs) I'm I'm a little bit reluctant to make fun of and call out Chris Wallace. On the one hand, I'm not reluctant at all because he was one of these just POSs that always pretended Ron Paul didn't exist Uh in 2008 and 2012. He was one of the guys on screen that would be going through the list of candidates giving his reviews and he would just casually pass over Ron Paul every single time as if he didn't. This whole Ron Paul doesn't exist thing. So Chris Wallace is a POS. With that (laughs) said, I don't think he actually had a kill switch for their microphones. He should Which in my opinion, the moderator should have that. Yeah. If you're moderating a debate and the and the rules were determined ahead of time and and there's specific rules on you have a you have a couple of minutes to give a remark, then there's going to be a rebuttal or open conversation as they call it, which by the way, you never do open conversation. Right. You have remarks and rebuttals. Yeah. And and what you saw last night is why you don't just let them talk. <laughs> but if if a candidate is has 2 minutes and the other guy just constantly talks over him Uh then a he gets more time because that wasn't full two minutes he was interrupted right and two cut the other guy's mic yeah i don't see why there would be any problem with if you are in a two-minute remark your your mic is the only one that's turned on that makes sense just just by default even if both guys are totally gentlemen and are completely respectful of the rules your mic should be the only one turned on if you're in a uninterruptible two-minute yeah. remark. Yeah, I have one of them little red lights on the mic that lights up when they're the only one talking. You yeah, know? like, I, I don't I don't even, I don't see how this is any way controversial. I guess ultimately, I, I'm going to save, I'm going to save a lot of my real in-depth analysis for when Suzanne and I talk okay. during the after show. All I'm going to say is, is that I, I genuinely like debates. I, I don't mean arguing. Right. Arguing, I don't like. Right. I like formal debates. I genuinely enjoy them. Yeah. Uh, I did a lot of those in college, undefeated, mm-hmm. by the way. But the thing, I, I, I like the whole concept. I like yeah. having a moderator, having two participants or two teams, right. perhaps, and, and taking turns, sharing points, having rebuttals, because you're both, it, it tests both your in-depth knowledge uh-huh. and your preparation and research, right. but also tests how well you can work on the fly because you're literally taking notes of yeah. what the other person says to make response. Yeah. But you're taking notes for your response. Yeah. You don't just start yelling as yeah. they're talking. <laughs> so just, it was an absolute travesty. Jesus Christ. <laughs> there's, there's actually, I, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain, no. even though I'm an atheist and don't care. I still, I'm respectful <laughs> of my friends enough that I don't typically take the Lord's name in vain. All I can say is, is Jesus has left this place. <laughs> yeah. He, he's not, he's not, he here. wasn't listening to the debate. He, he, <laughs> he left the room. To the he's like, y'all on your own, man. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I tell you what we were listening to. What? Today is not a Modelo virus episode. Yay. We should have, we should have prepared some like streamers and oh, yeah. today is not a Modelo virus so good. episode. So good. But we do have one little clip and this okay. actually comes from Pennsylvania. It's okay. A, it's a, it's a hot mic incident that was between state rep Ullman uh-huh. and governor Tom Wolf from the state of Pennsylvania. Mike, go, or, uh, go ahead and play that clip right there. Oh no. So Wendy, I'm going to take, I'm going to take my, Man, it's I will as well. I'm just, I'm waiting so that we can do a little political theater. Okay. <laughs> a little political theater. So Unreal. that it's on camera. Whoop. Oh, she just realized the mic's on. She just realized the mic's on <laughs> on that one. You just, 
What's funny is is that because they're still wearing masks uh-huh. at that point, yeah, you can't you can't quite see the expression. You know? Oh yeah, <laughs> but for just a split moment there at the end, you could see Rep. Ullman was like, "Uh oh, uh oh, these mics are hot." <laughs> and of course, they probably don't know jack about audio, so they probably just think. I heard myself at the podium. Yeah. So they heard me. Yep. But when I'm away from the podium, they don't hear me. You know, that's what they think. Oh, yeah. But turns out everyone knows those mics were pretty sensitive. They are. (laughs) We heard the whole thing. That's right. They literally just said, we'll take off our mask when we're talking. It's all political theater. Ha, 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 ha. (laughs) Exactly. So our friend Jeff Johnson, who works with Suzanne Sherman over yep. at the Wasatch Report, he brought that to my attention because he's up in he's up in Pennsylvania and he's okay. like, Alan, check out my governor. Oh goodness. Guys, I don't I don't know how many more of these you need to see before I know. you realize it's all a bunch of BS. That's I'm, right. I'm cautiously optimistic they've overplayed their hand. Yep. Just like I'm cautiously optimistic that people who did watch last night's debate think, wow. The the answer is none of the above. Right. Woo. Yeah. But we will save the rest of that. Don't ref- don't forget. Uh-huh. There will be an after show after the premiere of this episode later right. tonight. Suzanne and I will have some brief remarks about the debate. It's mostly going to be fun, but we're going to have more fun tonight here on the show. We will be right back with the meme of the week and viewer mail right after this. Don't go away. If you're enjoying tonight's show, consider supporting the program by becoming a member of our Patreon. That's over at patreon.com slash Alan Mosley. What's great is, is I haven't, I've been very careful about using like initials. And yep. not saying actual swear words. Good. Because if we don't say an actual swear word, then I don't have to mention Suzanne Sherman's The Wasatch Report right. on the program. That's okay. only for when I accidentally say a swear word. <laughs> so I don't have to mention Suzanne Sherman's The Wasatch Report. All right. Hey, Blake. Yeah. What time is it? Meme of the week. Firefighters. Whoa! I just stood in a 50,000-acre inferno for 12 hours to save a whole town. Police officers. <laughs> I shot someone because I was scared. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I was scared. You know what? That's going to be the last time we talk about cops today, too. Yeah. So we're so we're done with we're done with the pandemic and we're oh, yeah. done with cops for today. So we're we're moving on to new yep. territory. Yep. Um, <laughs> let's answer some viewer mail. Hey, community. I'm scared. Whoa. See, I like that one as opposed to the one yeah. last week where it's like dum dum dum. dum it's all. I like the. Yeah, you know, it's like a, you know, I don't know. Were you, are you doing some sort of incantation? There? It's like a swoosh. Were you, were you checking for a It's like, it's like a, okay. You know, yeah. All right. I love that. It's pretty cool. Sherry Voluntary writes, our friend Sherry says, Dear Alan and Blake, if you were in the Wizard of Oz, what character would you be? Blake, what character would you be? Oz, man. Come on. <laughs> you would, you would literally be. I'd be the Oz. wizard. I'd be the wizard. Not Oz. It'd be, be hard to be Oz. Wizard. That'd be really big. 
I would probably be one of the farmhands who doesn't do PCP, so he doesn't know anything about the whole journey. <laughs> Part of the lollipop guild, right? Yeah, there yeah. you go. Oh, she has, excuse me, Sherry has a follow-up. Uh-oh. Would Blake have a farm of flying monkeys? Are you going to get monkeys on the farm, Blake? Our hope is one day. I'd love to have lemurs. Don't, Sherry, please. <laughs> please don't encourage this. Um... Uh, Jonathan Carranza writes, Dear Alan and Blake, what is the coolest new liberty-friendly website? Uh, of course, I told Jonathan alanmosley.tv is still under construction, but I know that's not what he's talking about. <laughs> he's talking about the new effort by him and his pals over at the other 3%. They're doing a website called the Counter Narrative Report. Okay. Can I actually pull up and see a, a quick image of that? The Counter Narrative Report, it is the-cnr.com, where they've got the forums, they've got uh, content, news, uh, commentary. They've even they've even got some featured podcasts on there by just random DSers that no one wants to listen to. I couldn't Very imagine cool. who would be featured on that site. Can't be anybody good. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Blake Osborne writes. You yeah. can't. Okay. So I already answered you, by the way. I already answered you, by the way. I haven't seen it. That's you a good could thing. you could work for the DNC. What with you're just feeding yourself the questions. No, I don't know. I, I swear know, to God, I didn't got to load little, myself up, right? Got a little debate reference in there for you. <laughs> Blake, Blake writes, "Dear Alan and me, what do you have entirely too much of?" Blake, what do you have too much of? Broken printers and forks. <laughs> what? Animals. Yeah, you definitely have. Wait, you you have too much of a great many. Well, things. the animals are intentional, but they're all different kinds. You don't have too much money, though. But you don't need sixty-eight forks. There's like there's like six of us that live in our family. You see, what happened was my. Well, I know, I know. So but my we had a party once, and we didn't have enough forks. So my wife got excited and ordered some on Amazon, but accidentally hit the two button. So someone from the peanut gallery is talking into my yeah, inner ear and giving is, is answering head. the viewer mail, even though she's not featured in this segment. <laughs> Thank God she, that no she, one can hear she, her. Talking. She just has to chime in, you know. <laughs> so I just want to say, I know, I know that no one knows what I'm talking about. I just want to say that if, if a guest comes on the show and they swear, they can't use their own swearing as an excuse to then plug their own show. <laughs> oh, it's only if I swear do we plug Suzanne Sherman's The Wasatch Report. If Suzanne Sherman swears, she has to quit The Wasatch Report. That's that's the rule. Okay. Uh, David Willamowski to give Liberty Late Night writes, uh, Dear Alan and Blake, can you see my top fan badge? I can, David, I can see your top fan badge. So David was really upset last week because he had gotten a notification saying I'm a top fan on Facebook. And then when he made a he made a post about it and it didn't it wasn't there. And so he was really upset. I thought we had lost a fan. We were going to be down from 17 down to 16 fans. But thank God. David Willemowski, you got your top right. bag. So there you go. <laughs> Andrew Avery writes, Dear Alan and Blake, if you act like a sheep, are you cowed? Wait, wait, what? I uh, So, Andrew, I knew Blake wouldn't get this because Blake only knows like 22 English words. And so he doesn't understand. <laughs> if you act like a sheep, are you cowed? Like you've been cowed? Like you're are cowed you cow in submission? Is that a southern expression? No, it's just it's just the English language, Blake. Like, just like Andrew, Andrew, apostrophe D. Andrew, you got to be a bit more on the nose. That's all. That's all I'm saying. All right, whatever. 
<laughs> Clay Davis writes, Dear Alan and Blake, name a bad habit you have kicked. Oh, Christ. Oh, Blake, man. what's a bad habit you've kicked? Chewing gum. What's, why is that a bad habit? Because you get TMJ, man. It's terrible. But it's like hurts, you know, right here. You, you're chewing gum that's too tough. Tried it, man. Good what? stuff. You so tried it is good stuff. Yeah. But you but you just said you kicked the habit. Yeah. Sounds like you're lying to me. Um, I'm in the process of kicking the habit of drinking soft drinks. I've actually done that before, and I had really bad headaches from the caffeine withdrawal. Yeah. And then I, I started it. drinking them again, and and this is the last. I'm actually like I'm down to my last like few Pepsi's. That's the same I'll... thing smokers say when their last packs, you know, in their hand. Yeah. You just quit, bro. You got to do it. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll be darned if I'm going to be lectured to by a guy that drives round trip to pick up Patagonian Maras for his farm. I'm not, not even going to talk about it. <laughs> Eric Eli writes, Dear Alan and Blake, which has gotten worse in the 21st century, country music or rap? Now, I'm a musician, yeah. and as a musician, I can tell you rap isn't music. So I'm going to say by default, country has gotten worse, because if we're talking about which music has gotten worse, it's the only music of those two. Therefore, country has gotten worse. But but all offense aside, country has actually gotten worse. Mm -hmm. It's actually the worst thing ever. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I, tell I, you I, what, I, I, I don't know, man. Rap rap is technically a form of music. It's not no, just the expression set to music. Rap is a, rap is a form of debris is what that is That's yeah don't true. at me rap is terrible um but here's the thing i actually have been on a kick lately okay of watching some old chet adkins videos are you serious because chet adkins was a god yeah he was good wasn't he now now to be fair i know some people would say well i don't know if that's expressly like he was he was a country artist in so much as he did play some country music and he recorded with a lot of country yeah. artists yeah. But it's not like he sit down and did a whole bunch of bluegrass or anything like right. that. It was more just that he was an out of this world musician, yeah, who played lots of different music, yeah. But I'm gonna cheat and say that he was a country artist, yeah. And therefore, if you're not as good as Chet Atkins, then country music's gotten worse. And I gotta tell you, but Chet Atkins is a god. How can you be as good as that guy? I mean, that's now. There's probably you can. I mean, granted, you can probably count them on one hand, but there's I mean, probably a handful of players, yeah that are at least good enough to play some of the things Chet Atkins played. I mean, I guess if you, like, studied Chet Atkins stuff and got really good at playing what he played and learned his, you know, his techniques and stuff, sure. But, you know, that's so that's so mastery, if, man. That's so in the live chat, I want you to type at Blake Osborne and let him know what you think about Chet Atkins. <laughs> Chet Atkins rules. There you go. <laughs> Debbie Smith writes, Dear Alan and Blake, are the Democrats running the sex trafficking market too? Um, only about as likely as the Republicans. You, you're not going to get any of that left-right nonsense here. Nope. There's there's nope. only one party, and they're both in on it, my friend. Yep. Um, they're all pedophiles. Mm -hmm. They're all pedophiles. Suzanne all actually told me that they're all pedophiles. She saw it. Yep. She was I there. Agree. Her and Brian Williams were in the helicopter, and they saw it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, speaking story. of that, Jeff Johnson writes, Dear Alan and Blake, skydiving or scuba diving? Blake, oh. would you rather go skydiving or scuba diving? Oh, scuba all day. I'm not really? jumping out of a plane. That's stupid. Okay, so I would actually rather skydive than scuba. Why? Because for one, why not? And two, I don't, I don't want to like go way underwater where it's dark and 
characters, things, and stuff. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess the odds of dying are much higher if you're jumping out of a plane than floating in the water. Well, I but mean... I'm from Florida, so, you know, I'm not afraid of the ocean. I mean, that's what the parachute's for. So... If it works. I mean, there's things in the water that actually want to kill you. You know, including, as long as you're not bleeding. Including the water. So... Mm-hmm. But you can swim, right? There's nothing in the air that wants to kill you. It's the ground that wants to kill you. So... Agreed. So there you go. Um, yeah, actually, I think that was the last one. Yeah, the last one. Really? The only thing left is a picture of the Dugarita, but we already covered that. Yeah. Uh, although I will mention as a as a quick update. So I'm really sad to report we can't get the Dugarita. So the Dugarita, because the only way we could taste test it here on the show is if that was something that I could like pick up uh-huh. and then bring here. They don't offer that on their, like, menu. Yeah, but by the time you got it here, it would be, like, all melted. Well, and... I mean, but but we would still do it because we're champions on the show. We, yeah. we taste it. But they, they allow you, because of all the Modelo virus stuff, they yeah. allow you to order, like, beer and wine. Why don't we just make it? Make we just it get a Mountain Dew and, you know, margarita mix or whatever and just mix it. Like, maybe right there on your desk, right there. Maybe something we'll do for next year's live show is we'll we'll have do garitas, but you know, we'll make ours. You know what I'm expecting, right? What? You know how they have that red Mountain Dew? I'm expecting that to be the next one. Do garita code red? Yep, that's coming. We're I promise. Code red if everyone here is drinking do garitas mm-hmm. before for the show. <laughs> I think, you know what? I bet I bet when Suzanne is here for next year's show, she'll drink a do garita. She will, won't you, Susan? Suzanne. <laughs> someone someone in my ear is balking at the idea of drinking a dugarita so i don't know um i guess we have to bring suzanne on in the next break yep so we're actually going to talk about amy coney barrett mm-hmm. the trump's nominee for the supreme court right after this break don't go away <laughs> Your ad could be playing right now, reaching thousands of potential customers. Sadly, it's not, but it could be. Find out how to be an advertised sponsor for It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. Email us at alan at funnybroke.com. How's that sound of the mics, Blake? Does that sound good? Sounds great, man. All right, but you're a little sure. off. It's okay. Though. I make. I try to make sure that my producer is having a good time, even though he doesn't watch or listen to this program. <laughs> That's just the kind of host I am. Yeah. Guys, our guest today is our good friend making what? What is? Is this her third or fourth appearance? Maybe I think it's fourth? her fifth. Four, fifth. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, that's too many. No, it's not. Well, let's cut the show then. No way. Now, making her fifth-ish appearance on the show is the host of the Wasatch Report. It's Suzanne Sherman, the, by the way, also the resident law expert of It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. Suzanne, welcome back to the show. Happy to be here. <laughs> you know you're not. Yeah, you know. <laughs> the first thing you say when you come on is a lie. <laughs> Suzanne? Yes. We're going to talk about Amy Coney Barrett. Okay. All right. I've got a list of questions for you. Are you ready? Yes. We're going to start with number one. Who did she rape? Here's the thing. I think she's going to be... (laughs) 
beyond reproach when it comes to sexual scandals. But what they do have uh, still to play in the deck is the race card. And as we know, I think you're going to get to that question a little bit later with regards to the Haitian boys that she adopted. Yeah, we will get to that question later. We so we've got some fun questions to kind of pepper throughout this segment, but we'll we'll get to some of the serious stuff. So I, so we'll we'll reference this first article, Blake, for the folks at home. We're going to be working off a few different works here, and one of them is an article from Reason Magazine by Jacob Song, Scotus, Scotus contender Amy Coney Barrett's mixed record in criminal cases. While the Seventh Circuit judge is often skeptical of the government's position, some of her conclusions will give pause to civil libertarians. So imagine that Suzanne, someone with a mixed bag. So do you do you want to do do you want to do the good or the bad first? You know, we'll start with I think the one thing, the common denominator of every opinion that they're discussing and and you know, how she's ruled in the past is the absolute fact that she has no concept whatsoever for federalism. So once again, the premise that when the Philadelphia Convention sent the, con- uh, the Constitution to be ratified to the states, that there were areas that were considered to be off-limits, none of which seemed to be acknowledged by the Supreme Court discussions that we've been having, or the presidential debates last night as well. Yeah, exactly that. And we're going to we're gonna talk about those debates, you and I, in the, in the after show, but specifically about Amy Coney Barrett. So Reason says that she's got a mixed bag. And I think uh, something that I had shared with you right before the show is when if you're sort of kind of putting your putting your finger to test the water of what is the left saying about Barrett's nomination i feel like you're getting three specific arguments the first one is uh which by the way she's you can't help but acknowledge that she's replacing the seat that's vacated by uh justice ginsburg and she of course is seen by this this unbelievably heroic uh just champion of the left um, and, and Barrett is potentially going to be replacing her on, on the Supreme Court. One of the one of the things that the left says is she's going to rule with her feelings. She's going to rule with her religion. She's going to rule rule with her own theology and philosophy, rather than sticking to the rule of law and the Constitution. Now, first, I'll ask you how rich is that coming from the left? But then, second, I'll ask you how much truth is there to that? Well, this is the very thing that Justice Ginsburg Ginsburg was heralded for. They said she was a champion of what was really her personal beliefs, which is the mindset about equality, about the women's rights to uh, abort their unborn babies. You know, this this was her religion. So why is it okay for her to legislate from the bench, as you and I discussed on my show last week? But all of a sudden now uh, they're concerned, you know, for instance, Senator Dianne Feinstein in the judiciary hearings for, I guess, her original confirmation in 2017 was worried that her faith was going to skew her judgment. Again, this is exactly Ginsburg's faith was her progressivism absolutely uh, controlled her interpretation of the law. Her judicial act- activism was heralded. All right, so we'll move on to the second key uh, objection that we have is the left says if if Barrett is is confirmed, then the right is going to attempt to overturn Roe v. Wade. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being a certainty and 1 being they won't even make an attempt, how likely is that to happen? I'm kind of leaning towards the negatives. Ooh, yikes. <laughs> 
So there's so there's going to be no no end to abortion under a Barrett Supreme Court mm-hmm. seating. How how come is that, Suzanne? I think she strikes me again. I never did a lot of research into her because I've just have never really been interested. But she strikes me as a precedent, starry deceases kind of gal who isn't going to do um, you know anything groundbreaking. And, and I don't think that the court is ever going to overturn a case like Roe versus Wade. You know, we have cases like. Uh, Plessy versus Ferguson or Dred Scott versus Stanford, which were overturned. But all of a sudden now when it comes to the issue of abortion, no, absolutely, we we cannot overturn uh, precedent. You know, it's interesting also going back to her religious philosophies and how it would affect her judgment. In that Reason article I sent you, there was a Fourth Amendment issue, and she predicated the reasonableness of a search of a man's apartment based on the fact that the woman who answered the door was, uh, she wasn't living there, but she had spent the night and she answered the door in her bathrobe. And what she said in her uh, opinion here, is it reasonable for officers to assume that a woman who answers the door in a bathrobe has authority to consent to a search of a male's uh, of a male suspect's residence. It almost seemed to me that she was a little bit judgmental when it came to the woman's uh, attire and the fact that she was maybe just an overnight guest there. You know, so what I wonder was if she was dressed in something that perhaps uh, our justice found more appropriate, she would have ruled the other way. It kind of leaves me to wonder based on how she worded that. So, so again, going to the whole kind of mixed bag philosophy, right below that in the article, she, she rules in another Fourth Amendment case as it pertains to uh, illegal possession of a gun. And the, le- the, the third and final objection that a lot of the leftists have is Amy Coney Barrett is a gun nut. If she gets on the court, they're going to undo all of this great gun control uh, measures and, all, and, and the progress that the left has made on gun control in the last several decades. But I, and and I know and I know that you're going to have an interesting take on that. I want to read really quickly from from the uh, from the case file. Decided in 2018, Barrett concluded that an anonymous tip did not provide reasonable suspicion for police to stop a car in which they found a man with a felony record who illegally possessed a gun. The anon- this is a quote. The anonymous tip did not justify an immediate stop because the caller's report was not sufficiently reliable. Now, I think that a lot of us would say, well, I agree with that. I agree that an anonymous tip shouldn't be used for red flag laws to start going after guns and pulling people over. However, I know that you would have an interesting take on a Supreme Court justice ruling that way. Well, again, we're talking about a state law and a state criminal uh, proceeding. So, again, this is clearly not a matter for the Supreme Court to be hearing absent the incorporation doctrine, which we've discussed before, your good friend Dave Benner, in fact, wrote a book on the subject. So again, what's not included in these is the fact that the Supreme Court is simply hearing cases that they were never intended to, according to the Constitution, is ratified. According to the Constitution, is ratified. Now, I I, I do want to kind of really touch on that before we move on to the Epoch Times article. It seems to me it's this is this is kind of the poison pill of where we're at in in constitutional debate in in 2020, which is we're perfectly happy to ignore. And when I say we, I'm talking about you know one political party or another. They're perfectly content to ignore the Constitution when it gets in their way, 
But if it's a point of contention for which you can attack the other side, then all of a sudden we remember federalism and constitutional governance and all those good things. So I just, while, while I believe that some of these concerns are legitimate, I can't help but kind of curl my, curl my lip at when I hear Democrats uh, arguing on constitutional grounds and federalist arguments against Amy Coney Barrett. I mean, this is the same left who uh, you, you, you would make comments such as, well, we have to pass a bill to see what's in it. Um, our job isn't to determine constitutionality. That's the, the Supreme Court's job, the famous quote by Joe Lieberman. How can people who have those attitudes and opinions in the halls of Congress then turn around and say, well, I don't want this justice nominated because she's not a strong enough federalist? Well, then you just ask yourself, how did Obergefell come about, come about, right? I mean, clearly when it comes to policies with which they, dis they agree, federalism is non-existent. And both sides are guilty of that. One of the things that gets the conservative listeners on the local AM station out here in Sandy, Utah, is when I talk about immigration and the power of the general government to regulate immigration. And they cannot believe that that was a, not a delegated authority. In fact, they all start, you know, citing Article Article One, Section Eight, uh, Clause Four, about the power of the of Congress to come up with uniform rules of naturalization, which is entirely different. So each side, you know, likes federalism when it suits them, don't they? <laughs> they absolutely do. So I'm going to move on here. You had sent me this article from the Epoch Times. Uh, it's written by uh, Janita Khan, uh, and it's it's titled. Where Amy Coney Barrett Stands on Gun Rights and Abortion. So again, it's going back to these two very present hot-button issues, gun rights and abortion. Uh, we, we've sort of kind of already alluded to this, but I, I'm going to let you dig into the article before I, before I move on to another question. So, all right, Suzanne, where does Amy Coney Barrett stand on gun rights and abortion? Well, here's what they say in this article here, that she indicated her support for gun rights in her dissent in a case called Cantor versus Barr, and that was a 2019 case, they challenged a federal law that took gun rights away from nonviolent felons. And a businessman had pleaded guilty to mail fraud, and he argued that the law violated his Second Amendment right to bear arms. Now, there were two Republican appointees. It was a two-to-one majority. This was the Seventh Circuit. And they said the federal law and a similar Wisconsin law were constitutional. So... Which constitution? Are we looking at Wisconsin's constitution, the, the one and only one they seem to consider, the United States constitution? Mm -hmm. What Barrett said here was that the, the um, since the country's founding, and this is why I say she is not a gun rights um, you know, justice, she says since the country's founding, legislatures have taken gun rights away from people who are considered dangerous. Now, as I explain in my article published by the 10th Amendment Center, um, Heller, how Heller botched the Second Amendment, Scalia gets the Second Amendment wrong by saying that it confers a right upon Americans to have a handgun. It's essentially limiting it to handgun because of its popularity and its ease of use. And the pro-gun conservatives, the NRA activists, all think that this was a tremendous victory for gun rights. But the problem is what he gets wrong, and this is the textualist, the originalist, who says that the Constitution says what it means and means what it says, takes 63 pages to screw up the one sentence in the Second Amendment. It's a restriction against the general government 
from regulating firearms, period. That's all it said. Going back to St. George Tucker, he wrote the first comprehensive legal commentary on the Constitution, and he was very clear. Here's what he says. The Congress of the United States possesses no power to regulate or interfere with the domestic concerns or police of any state. It belongs to them to establish rules respecting the rights of property, nor will the Constitution prohibit the prohibition of arms to the people. So what Amy Barrett goes back here, she circles around and says, well, again, it's essentially the common sense gun regulations. We don't really care what the, con what the Constitution says. We care about common sense. So they say history is consistent with common sense. It demonstrates that legislatures have the power to prohibit dangerous people from possessing gun laws. But that power extends only to people who are dangerous. Well, according to the Second Amendment, that's absolutely false. They have no power to regulate that, nor according to the Constitution as ratified in the Bill of Rights as they were intended to apply, cannot be applied to the states. So again, we have incorporation, which only intends and serves to limit gun rights rather than act as an absolute restriction against the general government from regulating them, regulating, I beg your pardon, firearms laws or, or firearms or from having a veto over state laws. Now, just because the veto is coming from the federal judiciary, I beg your pardon, as opposed to Congress, which was proposed in uh, the Philadelphia Convention, this was the Virginia plan proposed by Madison and uh, Edmund Randolph, which was rejected. We come about thanks to the federal judiciary and are now faced with what was rejected outright is now the law of the land, meaning the Bill of Rights applies to the states through the federal judiciary. The ultimate consequence is the states lose their sovereignty and we have top-down leadership with, with no representation. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's such an indictment on conservative ink in the 21st yes. century that it, this, this is not what, – what you're saying to me I don't feel is controversial. But it would be controversial even amongst conservative circles in the 21st century because they absolutely do believe that the Constitution confers rights. That just, just that turn of phrase alone confers the right. The, the, the framers did not believe that those pieces of paper conferred rights to anyone. Absolutely none whatsoever. Suzanne, we're going to take a quick break, and you and I are going to come back to talk a little bit more about Amy Coney Barrett and the Supreme Court right after this. Don't go away. I was yes, worried sir. for a second that Blake wouldn't do the huh and the oh, whole I show did. would be ruined. Oh, I did it. 
We're back with Suzanne Sherman from Suzanne Sherman's The Wasatch Report and political prep podcasts such as the Red Hot Chili Prepper, which I'm I'm blown away she hasn't been sued yet for that name, but here she is. <laughs> Suzanne, I got a question for you. All right. In your opinion, how many months will Amy Coney Barrett be on the job before everyone finds out she's absolutely terrible for liberty? I, I believe it'll probably be the first case that she adjudicates and participates in and they'll be disappointed. Spicy. So you you're giving her very very little hope. You're you're. I, I, anybody that crawls up through this ladder of the federal judiciary and ends up at the Supreme Court is is another swamp creature. I'm sorry. You know, what was it? A uh, Gorsuch was cheered as being a conservative, and what did he say during his uh, nomination speech? It's the uh, it is the job of the Supreme Court to defend liberties across the land, across this nation. Now can compare that to what the stated jurisdiction is of the Constitution. It's nothing of the sort. Well, it's it's just so interesting. I mean, I agree with you a hundred percent. But it's it's interesting to have that take because I think a lot of your a lot of your casual voters out there, but particularly your right wing voters. They they would argue that, well, yeah, okay, maybe Donald Trump isn't exactly what I envisioned in the next Fuhrer, but we have to vote right wing, you guys, because we can't let the left take over the courts. You would argue that, what do you mean, the left take over the courts? They've had the courts for a long time. Well, and here's the thing, too. The, the problem is the right wingers also agree with her policies. For instance, going back to the issue of taking the firearms away from the supposed violent offenders, she said regarding continuing the discussion on that case that uh, while the federal and state governments have a strong interest in protecting the public from gun violence, they fail to show that the business owner here owning a gun would pose a risk. So again, here is Amy. I think this leads uh, some very strong hints of how she would consider ruling on red flag laws. I think she would support them. Yeah, I tend to agree. So we're we're gonna we're starting to run low on time. So Suzanne, we got to run through these last few questions really quick. Um, yes. What do you think Judge Amy thinks about cuties? I would think that um, she would probably be very offended by the marketing of Netflix and not bother to watch it like the overwhelming number of of conservatives. My my take on it was really not what I was seeing across the internet. And uh, we can leave it at that. I, 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 she, I would assume that she would rule on the side of wanting regulation to punish Netflix and similar companies for showing movies like that. How long do you think it'll take Judge Amy to get old lady smell out of her new office? Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> I can hear it. I mean, okay. So I'm going to take your saying that's terrible as, um, what do you think, Blake, six months? Six months? I don't know. That's going to take a lot longer than that. All right. Um, how much do you think she paid for her Haitian slaves? See, that's the other thing. <laughs> there is, we're seeing the left attack her for these kids. And what if she had adopted two white kids? Would they be saying, you know, she could have taken some African-American children or children of color or some minority children and tried to give them a better life? And I would think that if a Democrat had done the same thing, if she'd been a Democrat, she'd be hailed for this. Um, so how much should she pay? I don't know. 
Good lord. Dodging questions on this program. That's typical Susan. I don't know what the going rate is. <laughs> ask ask Carol set it up back in Libya. What's the rate of exchange? Oh my word. All right, Suzanne. I'm going to give you an opportunity if you have a final thought on Amy Coney Barrett or the Supreme Court to go ahead and give us your final thought. Because we, as you full well know and have come to expect, we've got one more question to get you out of here on. But I'm going to let you have the final thought before we get to that. Well, I think we all agree that, or you and I at least, that the fact that everybody's in a frenzy over who the latest Supreme Court justice is going to be just is another indication that the role of the Supreme Court and the role of the President of the United States is entirely too powerful. Entirely too powerful. So mm-hmm. I, I think we all agree on this program that yep. there's, there, is, there is something wrong with the system if the fact that it, what, how old was Ginsburg? 87? Is that how old? I forget how old Ginsburg was. Yeah. When, when one 87 year old judge dies, that, that the fate of the free world hangs in the balance. That's not, that's not, that's not a good thing. That's, that's a terrible thing. Suzanne, where can people check out your content? Uh, SuzanneCSherman.com, and then we are also on Anchor FM, the Wasatch Report, and the Red Hot Chili Prepper each have their own pages on there. And for now, we're still on Facebook, Suzanne Sherman's The Wasatch Report Radio Show. Now, as we all know, a hot dog is what? Sandwich. It's a sandwich, that's right. And of course, ketchup is a smoothie. Yes. If you have two lasagnas, Mark Claire answered this just last week. If you have two lasagnas and you stack one on top of the other, it becomes just a lasagna. Right. Of course, we know that a grilled cheese is not a melt because it doesn't have another food product in it, such as a meat. It does have the cheese and has bread, but it's not a melt. Uh, a Pop-Tart is a ravioli, true or false, Suzanne? Absolutely true. Absolutely true. And, and is cereal a soup, yes or no? You and I disagreed on that one. I say no. Well, that just means you're wrong. So you're <laughs> no. wrong. The no. cereal is a soup. Because the cereal is the soup. The milk is the broth. That's what makes it a soup. No. Yes. So how do you make how do you make a broth? What do you mean how do you make a broth? How do you make a broth? You you get the just just because they're liquid. Mm-hmm. So how do you get milk and how do you make a broth? So you get milk from an animal and then you have to make broth. Okay. So they're not the same. No, the milk is playing the role of the broth in the soup. Oh, which is it identifies as a broth. Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh. Well, so so Suzanne is tragically wrong on that one, but we'll we'll let it go. But Suzanne, we have a new one. Just uh-uh. for you. I can't wait. <laughs> Are nachos a salad? No. I can tell by that look know, on his face, you're wrong. <laughs> he's thinking yes, but there's there's no way. So unfortunately for you, nachos are in fact a salad. What? But thank you so much for playing, Suzanne. We'll let you pick your prize <laughs> during the commercial break. Thank you so much, Suzanne Sherman's of Watch Report for her fifth appearance on the show. We will be right back after this. Don't go away. <laughs>
like our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash TV. You can follow us on Twitter. It's twitter.com at TV. Subscribe to our YouTube page. It's youtube.com slash TV. So hold on, hold on, hold on. By that logic, would macaroni be a salad? Well, no. It, well, it depends on if you have other stuff. Because a salad is a mixture of ingredients. If it's just macaroni, then that wouldn't be a salad, no. So it's like the noodles and the cheese. If that's the only thing that's in there, is that a salad or no? No, that wouldn't be a salad. Okay, that would just be macaroni. So, but now if you're one of these festive folks who mixes in some, some chives some and de some gallo, bacon. Sure. And, yeah. Then you got, you got yourself a little macaroni salad right there. I'm going to mess with some Mexican restaurant dudes when I go back to eat at our favorite place down the road. I'm sure. Let me get a chip salad. I will sure. I'm sure that they will appreciate you doing that. <laughs> and they will totally not talk bad about you in Hispanic. <laughs> in Spanish. Guys, don't forget. Right after the end of this premiere, mm-hmm. there's going to be an after show where Suzanne and I are going to spend just probably 15 or 20 minutes. So only like four hours, but only like 15 or 20 minutes talking about the travesty that was last night's presidential debate. So stick around for that. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of It's Too Late. I literally heard right when we were switching over to the uh, to the after show. Oh crap! I f something up. From my guest this <laughs> evening, who was also my guest this afternoon, but of course the show is live, so she was actually just on the show. So we literally just changed clothes in the last fifteen seconds right. to do the after show. It's Suzanne Sherman. Suzanne, how are you doing? Miss me? <laughs> well, I, we there's so much that we didn't cover from this afternoon but it's it's because just just wait until the the hearings get here for nomination then then we'll have some answers to oh, our yeah. questions of i wonder what they're going to trot out talk about um so we're actually we're we're done with that we're done we're done with the scrotum and we're going to talk about whatever that abomination was tonight um loosely referred to as a debate so, so we, you and I actually didn't decide this before we went on. Are we going to give our overall impressions first, or are we going to save our overall impressions for the end after we go over the debate? It's up to you. I defer to you. It's your show. I, I'm bossy enough on my own show. I'll be, I'll be where's, nice. Where's <laughs> Je- Jeff Johnson isn't here to guide us, so that's the problem. Oh, he, he, how come you're so nice to him? Because <laughs> he's not my producer, that's why. You yell at your own producer. If Blake were here, I'd be That's, yelling at him. Um, yeah, you do. You yell. I tell you what. Let's 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 go through a, chronologically a little bit the debate. We'll we'll sort of kind of do a brief overview, and then we'll share some of our general thoughts. Um, so right back to Scotus. Yeah, then. So well, exactly. 
So one of the so the the very first tweet I made last night, by the way, was Chris Wallace had had made the point of saying that none of the questions that he had for the debate had been shared with either side. Which, for one, you know that that's sort of kind of a shot at CNN and Donna Brazil and and the DNC and all that crap. But I had said that as soon as Wallace said that, you know, somewhere in the world, Hillary Clinton just spit out her virgin blood martini. When she heard that, I I also had a glimmer of hope that maybe uh, Chris Wallace would be a little bit more unbiased and professional when he said that. But nope. Yeah, I mean, far be it for me to be the one to play devil's advocate and defend Chris Wallace, because Chris Wallace is a, is a pos. I will never forgive him because he was one of the guys at Fox News. You might remember back in 08 and twenty twelve when Ron Paul was running. <laughs> That they would literally have a list of the candidates, and they would literally go through the whole list talking about kind of where each candidate stood in the election. And then they would, oh, they would just forget and skip over Ron Paul every single time. It, isn't, that, isn't that such a coincidence that every single time they would just so happen to forget Ron Paul when they were listing the candidates? So Chris Wallace was always one of those people. He was always on the panel, and they would say, well, let's talk about the candidates. And Ron Paul would be, say, sitting at third. And they would talk about first yeah. and second and fourth. And it's like, how blatant can you be? So I, the point being is, is I'm not really defending Chris Wallace so much as I'm saying the whole, the whole debate, which was just such a shit show that I, I do have to kind of wonder, could any moderator have done better than him considering how aggressively the candidates were speaking over one another. And I'm assuming that Wallace did not have a kill switch. In, in my mind, if I were the moderator, I want a mute button because if it's not your turn to talk, I cut your mic. And I'm pretty sure, I think we can both probably agree Wallace didn't have one of those. And so if the president of the United States keeps talking and he says 27 times, sir, can you please stop? And he just keeps going. I mean, what is the man to do if he doesn't have a mute button? So I'm, I'm willing to give Wallace that much. With that said, he's a... Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was the first debate, yeah. and I, I think, from what I understood, they did review the yes. rules which he, with each side beforehand, mm -hmm. and I think that he expected both parties to act like sure. adults. And I'm not carrying water for Trump on this one. I thought he came across very poorly. He was boorish. At first, I was thinking, well, maybe mm -hmm. he's trying to... Uh, kind of wear him down a little bit and get Biden flustered, which he did. Ah, oh, shut up, man. You know, he got that. But he didn't do it in a way that made him look yeah. good. He could have really batted Biden around if he wanted to. Yeah. And I will say Biden was way more on the ball than I thought he would be. I think he had some moments where he seemed to kind of glaze over and just go through the talking point platitudes we need to come together we can do this together come on america you know and a ridiculous racist comment another missed opportunity that trump didn't capitalize on and we'll get to that but you know overall i'll have to say uh trump could have handled this very differently one thing i think he really should have done and i mean i have right now i never ever do an interview or uh, anything any kind of they got, without having a pad of paper and notes in front mm -hmm. of me. And I don't know if that was against the rules. I would want that. If I was one of the debaters, I would insist upon it. Mm -hmm. I What he should have done, instead of interrupting John, uh, Joe Biden all the time, was just write down every single talking point, every opportunity he had to just nail a point mm -hmm. home. Rather than interrupting 
And this is something that we learned, you know, we're practicing law. We sit down, we draw a line down the middle of the paper, our points and then their counterpoints and how we're going to refute them. I think he would have served himself and his followers much better by writing down the points, being patient, and then zinging them home right after. But I think what happened was they each had their two minutes, but I don't know if they had rebuttal time. And I don't know if they did or not because it turned into such a shit show over talking each other. I don't know if they had that, but if it could have been, look, you each get two minutes, no talking, and then you have a minute rebuttal or Mm -hmm. whatever it is to have that time and make that very clear so then they can take their notes, yeah. you know, give them their crayons and then see what they do with them. Well, Hopefully they won't eat them. So I guess we'll go ahead and just finish that point really quick before we kind of get back to sort of the chronological debate. Is that I feel like if I if you said to me, uh, like, explain what we just watched. Why is Trump acting the way he's acting? What What is happening in this debate? I feel like what Trump was attempting to do was he was trying to rattle him. He was trying to treat him the same way he treated Jeb, Jeb Bush. He was he was trying to rattle him. He was purposely being very aggressive because he was he believe he went into this with the belief that Biden was not mentally fit to carry on, and that he thought as soon as I get him telling stories about corn pop and my leg hair, this debate's over. I win by default. And it's true. Biden did get flustered a few times, and he made a few really dumb comments. But for the but considering that a lot of people felt like Biden would literally be drooling on stage. I felt like he was pretty cogent. For the most part, I thought Biden seemed to be pretty much all there. And the the nervous laughter and the body language did look kind of weak. But he, he never completely fell apart. And, and, mm-hmm. and if it was Trump that was trying to tire out Biden, I actually kind of think maybe it was Trump that got tired out by the end. I think so, because, you know, when when they introduced the climate change topic and just the way they did that, Mm -hmm. too, was just to me very disingenuous. You know, it didn't give any room for the logical conclusion that, first of all, we don't know if climate change is a solely man-made phenomenon. Sure. Could we clean up our act a little bit? Absolutely. But it was it was almost like Trump had to be put in the position of being a climate change denier. Mm -hmm. So he was put on the defensive. And I I felt that was an inappropriate way. It could have been maybe put forth in a matter of the environment rather than using the left wing talking point, you know, lingo climate change. So, again, environmentalism, not a federal, not a federal issue. And Alan, did you did you, by the way, come across one issue they discussed that was within the constitutional as ratified purview mm-hmm. of the general government. So I was going to save that for a little bit later, but I'll go ahead and answer your question. This, it, it, that this was one of the most atrocious <clears throat> places in the debate. And I'll actually say it was, it was bad going both ways, Trump and Biden, but it was bad also in that it was inconsistent. And, and, and I, th- I believe that you and I had actually talked this on the show this afternoon. Uh, I don't remember if we did on air or not that isn't it funny that when if you're wanting to talk about how good the numbers are, then you you act as if the president is responsible for that. If the economy's good, of course the president is responsible for that economy. If the job numbers are good, the government creates jobs. But you know, if the job numbers are bad, well, it's not the government's job to create economy. That's the private sector. If the if the economy's bad, well, I inherited that bad economy. So so it went both ways, and neither candidate 
Neither candidate could decide exactly what the role of government was literally within, within the debate. On different topics, they were complete supremacy, and on other topics, they all of a sudden remember the, the, the philosophy of federalism. Is it, I mean, it, it bothered me more that there was no consistency on, on federalism depending on which candidate was speaking about who, depending on whether or not they were talking about the Obama or Trump presidencies, and, and sometimes even, even in the confines of that, depending on what particular subject they were talking about. I remember Biden swerving into the issue of federalism, but it was by mistake. <laughs> and I think it was with with regards to Portland, yes, where he was essentially, you know, uh, saying that, hey, look, the people of Portland have chosen this government. They have chosen far left mm-hmm. progressive leadership in their community. It is not within the purview of the general government to go in and for Trump to send the troops in there to establish law and order. He threatened to do that with Chicago. And then, but Biden then just goes right back into the lane of nationalism when he also starts implying that he's really going to nationalize the police. Well, we're not going to just send police. We're going to send a social worker. We're going to send a psychologist. We're going to, you know, a massage therapist. I mean, what else? Who else is going to go? Are we going to have a van now and send them out? Where where Biden, so I, I feel like we're, you know, Trump did a, a reasonable job of deflecting on this. You know, he had he had made the point of saying that you know, take Portland for example. This is a left wing controlled city, and it's burning to the ground. You know, we're we're here on standby to help, but we're not just going to force help upon them. They have to ask. And 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 he and said he, say that, he yes. said to Biden, "Why don't you call up the governor of Oregon or the mayor of Portland and do something?" And Biden also gave a federal federalism answer of, well, that's not my job. That's not my place. But he also said, but I'm not the president, as if the president, is, it is their job. But Biden, Biden correctly said that it's not his job. But then he also turned around and said, I am the Democratic Party. You would think someone who literally is the sole embodiment of the Democratic Party can, can could call a democratically controlled organ and, and get something done. So again, well, dep- he- depending on literally what minute of the debate you're listening to is depending on just how much about federalism they believe. And, and the missed opportunity there was what he did say was, well, I'm not the president. I'm not an elected official mm-hmm. right now. It is not my job because he is not a leader. He is not an elected official. I hate the term leader. And that was a really missed, that was a missed opportunity for Donald Trump as well. Cause what he could have said was, look, you know what? I understand you're not in a place of authority right now where you could ask them to reach out, but it ever occurred to you to reach out to BLM, Antifa mm-hmm. and whatever leaders and the connections you have in that group to say, Hey, do you think we can turn things back a little bit and calm down and stop the violence. I haven't heard any member. I haven't heard uh, Cammy. I haven't heard Joe say, "Hey, we need to stop this violence. Stop the looting." On the contrary, the top cop from California is calling for more violence and saying it's not going to stop. It's going to continue. So I'm I'm looking here at at some of our notes from last night's uh, last night's debate. So you you had already mentioned right at the very top of the debate, they start talking about the SCOTUS nomination. And, and I had had in my notes that, that Trump's general <laughs> viewpoint was, you know, a, a, about the timing of the nomination. Well, why wouldn't me? And, and he's correct. He, he is still the president of the United States, and there is a vacancy to be filled. So it's, it's not that I disagree with him on that, but, 
it was it was it was not that Trump was strong on this. It was that Biden was really weak. Biden gave lip service to the uh, open seat on the Supreme Court and then immediately changed the subject to, well, we have to defend the Affordable Care Act. And, and, I, and I believe it was Chris Wallace that may have actually said, well, sir, the question was about the Supreme Court nomination. The, the question mm-hmm. wasn't explicitly about the Affordable Care Act. And, and to further that point, now, you and I would love to see the Affordable Care Act go away. We'd love to see about 100% of government go away in regulation. But the point being was, is A, that was a weak spot for Biden. And B, again, because we're not carrying water here for Donald Trump, look— the Affordable Care Act's not in danger, folks. The Republicans are not yeah. after the Affordable Care Act. That that ship has sailed just like, and I hate to say it, uh, by Joe Rome. Biden had made this really weird comment. When he first he changed the subject about the Affordable Care Act, then he changed it to we have to we have to protect Roe. Roe is on the ballot. Suzanne, could you please point to me on any ballot in America where I can vote on where Roe v. Wade is on it? Well, see, this is just another example of where I do think he's showing some indications that his thinking is a little bit foggy. You know, there was another example where Donald, where he was talking about Donald Trump's plan, uh, whatever it was about coronavirus or whatever. But what he had said was, if I were running, I would have a plan. And at that point, there's another missed opportunity. Trump could have, you know, didn't have to be nasty, but he could have jabbed at him a little bit and said, um, excuse me, you are running. That's kind of why we're here. You, me, Democrat, Republican for the presidency. Remember where we are, you know, but not go too far. You know, it was kind of like what he did. He, he took a legitimate swipe also at, at Biden's intelligence, but by saying, you know, by about the lying about his, uh, educational credentials and what he really should have done there was rather than making that a sign of Biden's intelligence, because let's face it, how long has he been in office? And yes, we know he's a complete doofus, but he's savvy enough to play the game and succeed there for decades, many of them. What he should have said, this is a matter of integrity. You are saying that the American people don't trust me, but here we have your proof that you have lied about your education experience. We have proof that you have plagiarized your speeches. So he really should have made it a matter not of Biden's intelligence, but of his integrity. And he failed miserably in that department. You know, I, 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 on the list of missed opportunities, I feel like, you know, look, everyone knows Biden's running mate Kamala Harris. And, and everyone knows how we feel about Kamala Harris on this program. We've, 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 been down, we've been down that road before. But the point being is, is, look, it's not like it's just us that feels that way. Kamala Harris is not popular. She's basically Hillary Clinton 2.0. Look, Kamala Harris ran for president, and she was single-handedly derailed by Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard, who the mainstream media completely silenced, in one debate totally destroyed Kamala Harris's candidacy. Kamala Harris yeah. is not a popular person. And yet... What Trump could have done is when Biden was acting soft on the issues, he could have just come back with, well, don't worry, Joe, we'll just ask Kamala in a couple of weeks. And that would have that would have neutered Joe Biden on national television. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And how tone deaf is it? And this is how he should have also responded to um, some of these issues was with all the defund police movement back, you know, mm-hmm. uh, BLM, Antifa, everybody's outraged. Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, all, who do they go and pick? 
the woman in California yes. who is responsible for putting more families, yes, black, but not just blacks, uh, lots of, uh, you know, Hispanics going, you know, we know there's a disparate impact when it comes to the marijuana regulations sure. and what was going on in California, her keeping them longer than they should have been there because Cal Fire needed uh, free cheap or cheap labor mm. to stay on where she also, I mean, you did the episode yeah. of this and you were shut down because <laughs> of it. So we don't need to, we don't need to get shut down no. tonight too. But you know, we, we know her record and for him to just ignore it and talk about law and order, what he should have said is how is it that you can pick a candidate as your running mate who was California's top law enforcement officer and not have the backing of police officers across this nation. Excuse the N-word, but that's, you know, the one they're using. Exactly right. So I know why Trump doesn't hit him there. He doesn't hit him there because he doesn't want to lose Muthin Blue Line. He, he is the candidate of Muthin Blue Line, so he doesn't want to anger police groups. I know I understand that. But it's still such a missed opportunity that Trump because there's two strategies, right? There's getting votes and there's denying votes to your opponent. And those are not necessarily the same thing. Just because someone it doesn't vote for Joe Biden doesn't mean they will vote for Trump. They might just not vote. Right. Trump could have strategically hit Biden here by saying well, because he's already painted himself as the law and order candidate. I don't think anyone's disagreeing that that's Trump's strategy. But he could have also fine-tuned that strategy with, well, Joe, it seems to me that a lot of your supporters are are anti-systemic racism, uh, anti-mandatory minimums, blah, blah, blah. And yet you wrote the crime bill, and yet you nominated Kamala Harris. Biden, that wouldn't win Trump any votes, because if anything, some of his supporters might say, wait a minute. That doesn't sound 100% back in my thin blue line like I want you to. But it's not about getting votes from Biden. It's about denying Biden votes. It's about getting the Bernies and the Yangs and the AOCs of the world to not vote Biden in November. In my mind, that's basically, and and I'm not sitting here saying I'm ready to make a prediction on the election itself. And I think another debate or two might have a lot to say on that. But in my mind, Trump at this point, to win re-election, Trump's strategy is not to be the most popular candidate. Trump's strategy is to get the far-left Democrats to not settle for Biden. And he, I think he tried to uh, put, paint him in that corner a couple times with regards to the Green New Deal. And when he got Biden to say, hey, I'm not, I don't support the Green New Deal. And then he goes, you just lost the radical yes. left. And the same thing, uh, I would think it was also about law and order, where he was able to get Biden to say that he supported law and order. Oh, you just lost the radical left. Mm. And interestingly, in this same regard, Cal Exit, the Yes California, uh, Yes California, and part of the Cal Exit movement, is already griping about Biden, saying, you know, Bernie would have been much better for us. Follow us for a better for a better alternative, meaning California seceding from the mm. union over Bernie. So the one thing is that that would translate into, as you indicated earlier, lost votes for Biden. Yeah, exactly. Which, which leads, leads us to there, there, I guess it was probably about a third of the way through the whole 90 ish minute debate where Biden, it was one of the, it was one of the handful of times that Biden truly got rattled where Trump again was just interrupting, interrupting, interrupting where Biden finally screamed, shut up, man. Now, I, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are making a big to-do about that. 
uh, you have you have right wingers the saying, well, there you go, that's crazy Uncle Joe. You can't be, you know, he's a he's a live wire. You can't elect him. And left wingers saying, you know, Yas Queen, I'm so happy that Joe's sticking up for himself. I gotta be I gotta be totally honest with you, Suzanne, and and I kind of intimated this already. I don't think Trump comes off as as an aggressive candidate who's putting Joe in his place. I think he came off as a bully. I think he came. I, I, I think too. he came off as a bully, and and I think that more people are more likely to respect Joe by Joe saying, "Why don't you shut your freaking mouth?" If anything, Joe should have been firmer and not allowed Trump to talk over him so much up to that point. Yeah, just kept talking and just not allowing himself to be uh, cut off like that. And again, if he was going to get Joe Biden to lose it, I, my tactic would have been just let him talk himself till his meds ran out and just make sure because, you know, you know, they had some pretty good stuff going into him before the debate, just like they did Hillary Clinton. I was clipping before what an amazing pit crew she had. She was all spit shined and you know, lucid, mm-hmm. but then look at them the rest of the times through this. I mean, and I'm not making light of it because I think it's very sad what they're putting him through. Yeah. And I think if the Democrat Party had any scruples whatsoever, I mean, he's a good he's a good placeholder right now because he is so establishment. Uh, even the Republicans are so familiar with him. And yes, he has the he, civil asset forfeiture. This is why we're saying Trump's not going to come at him as hard as he could to take the Biden uh, the Biden votes votes away to give to Bernie. Because both sides agree on that. Both sides are okay with killing you over a plant. Both yes. sides have been pretty much okay. I, you know, we haven't heard, you know, the the outrage over the drug wars from from Biden. You know, and and we haven't seen that. So, you know, like you and I equipped, they both are agreement on on law and order. It's just Biden is pandering to the uh, same crowd that Kamala Harris is trying to appease. Yes. Uh, you know, the ones that are doing the rioting and the looting, So, otherwise known as the peaceful protesters. So Go that ahead. brings me to this this point in the notes uh, in, 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 our, in our little uh, note train here where they, they got to the shutdowns. And Biden did something really weak, but then Trump did something worse. It, it was almost like, it, you know, it's like watching one of those football games where both teams are terrible, so it's whoever makes the biggest mistake last is who loses. Um, Biden was trying to simultaneously pin the shutdowns on Trump at the same time arguing Trump didn't do enough. And yeah. and that's, of course, ridiculous. The states, by and large, were the, the, the governors of the states are the ones mostly to blame for any particular shutdown, depending on what part of the country you're in. But then Trump did what I feel might be the most boneheaded thing of the debate for either candidate, is that he owned the economic shutdown. Yeah, big mistake. Big mistake. I, I, yeah, I actually huge. couldn't believe it when he said that. I, I thought for sure that his strategy would be to to paint Biden as the shutdown candidate. And I feel like he did try to do that later on, but the damage is done. Trump owned the economic yeah, shutdown. Yeah, he, he owned that. And then he also uh, backed off and said, well, yeah, I wear a mask. <laughs> he should have hammered that point home yes. about the mask mandate. Nobody, he never brought up the fact that Biden is proposing to have Every single person on this continental landmass muzzled. Mm-hmm. And that is something he should have brought up. But who? And then he brought his own out with his own presidential, you know, uh, emblem on there, which I thought was just ridiculous. But here's where I will say I think he is have he does bear some of the the blame 
for the governors shutting down the states because when they declare a state of emergency, these states are getting a ridiculous amount of federal yes. funding. What he should have said was because we know so, you know, even let's say a month into it, okay, it looks like this might not be as dangerous as we thought. I am going to stop incentivizing governors from shutting down their states. You can declare a state of emergency, but for this virus, you are not going to have money poured upon you. Because honestly, the, the statistics here in Utah do not support it. But when they extended for the first time the emergency order, what did they mention as a justification? The federal funding. Yes. So, so absent the federal funding, these guys wouldn't be doing on this. On this exact same point, Trump went into a diatribe about how he had talked to medical manufacturers. He had talked to Pfizer. Uh, and they and he was saying that we can a, a vaccine can be rushed out, quote, a lot sooner. This, again, this is disastrous for Trump because, look— the Doomers are already on on Biden slash the Democrat side. Trump has already been painted as the anti-science, anti-expert candidate. Now, of course, we're we're anti-experts. If your expert is Dr. Fauci, we we believe in science that says that no, not everyone should be wearing masks. No, young people shouldn't be locked up in their homes. No, you don't shut down the economy. There's a lot more to it than that. But that being neither here nor there, Trump made the mistake of he's. Biden has got the Doomer vote. Like, let's just call it what it is. The Democrats are on the side of Fauci and Big Pharma and all that. Trump has already been painted as the opposition. And yet, this was a, this was a moment that he could have said, you're, you're damn right that I went against... Because remember, he was, he was along with the experts' recommendations for the first month or two. But he could have put his foot down and said, you're damn right I changed my mind. I looked at the data... I've looked at the cases. I've looked at the deaths. I've looked at different countries who did things differently and seen that the trends are roughly the same, no matter how soft or hard the lockdown was. And I've decided to move away from that because that's what's right for the country and that's what's right for the economy. He could have done that and he could have then followed that up with, and when there's a vaccine, there's a vaccine, but we're not going to wait for it and we're not going to make it mandatory. If he had done that, right. He could have taken what the Democrats are thinking is a position of weakness for him and turned it into a strength. And what he did instead was say, oh, yeah, I've got it. We'll rush out a vaccine. I, I Again, I yeah. thought this was a boneheaded move. And imagine if that vaccine comes out before the election and people die from it. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, it just... I don't know. It's it, it makes you wonder because at the end of the day, like, look, these guys are politicians. They they don't care about telling the truth. They don't care about being no. they don't even care about being right. They care about winning. That's what you're trying to do as a politician. You're trying to win the election. But so purely within the lens of trying to win the election, your your statements, your rebuttals, your comments should be geared towards a certain part of the electorate, right? You should be trying to appeal to certain voters. I just don't know who Donald Trump is appealing to in his whole pandemic slash vaccine conversation pieces. I again, the, the hardcore doomers are already on the left. I, who's Trump even talking to? I got nothing on that <laughs> He's one. He's not like talking I to said, us. It was, you know, uh, I, I don't like the thought of anybody rushing out a vaccine and for him to say and but here remember the other part you and I were talking throughout this whole debacle. And there was one part where uh, Biden mm. was 
chastising Trump about not being, uh, not believing scientists, but then Biden also contradicted himself and did the very same thing he accused Trump of doing. Remember, mm -hmm. he said, you, you made a comment to me, there are thousands of scientists, just pick the ones you want. And again, he said he would, if he had uh, been, a, if he was advised by his uh, scientists, he would shut the entire country down. And I think Trump really should have capitalized on that and shown the difference between, let's say, uh, North Dakota, for instance. Is that the one, North Dakota, or is it South, South Dakota? Dakota? Yeah. South Dakota. Show the statistics between South Dakota and then how the other states are suffering. Show what happened in New York. Show what's happening in California. You know, he could have owned, I think they were talking a little bit about the wildfires out there, because you made a point that, you know, what really needs to happen is, is we need to have private control over land ownership. And, uh, you know, we, I, I think he could have really done a lot more with the, with the climate change and with the shutting down of the economy. Mm. So a lot of opportunities missed. I hope he changes his tactics and his behavior. He doesn't need to address it again and apologize for it, but I really do think that he needs to come across as not so arrogant, particularly when he missed so many opportunities. He didn't earn that right to be that way. Another time that really turned me off was during the primary debates mm -hmm. um, when he was running, when he made a comment about Rand Paul's hair. I mean, who was he to, in particular to talk about you know, anybody's hair, but saying that Rand, Rand Paul had a ridiculous yeah. haircut. I mean, that was just, it was just, he, that's, I, I can see why so many people just can't stand him just mm. based on his personality alone. And he, and he has only himself to blame for that. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on a few points here, uh, to go after Biden. I've, I've gone after Trump a little bit. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to switch back to Biden. So around the middle point of the debate, Biden had weathered that initial storm from Trump but then he did get rattled, and then he did make a few back-to-back -back comments that were a little bit eyebrow-raised. So there was, of course, the I am the Democratic Party comment, which yeah. you can just say that that was a random off-the-cuff comment in the heat of the moment, but it certainly didn't look good. Um, no. Uh, the next one was... Uh, and Trump's retort, by the way, was brilliant. So Chris Wallace had asked Biden specifically a question about mask mandates, and Biden started to go on a rehearsed comment about needing more stimulus money for small business. And Wallace actually interrupted him and said, sir, I was asking you about yeah. mask mandates. And then Biden said, oh, okay, and he changed topics. That was probably the first time in the debate where I, I thought this is the Biden that that Trump was hoping would happen. This is the Biden that totally unprovoked mm -hmm. just kind of loses his train of thought and, and goes on a wild tangent. So, so that happened. And then the next one was Biden, Biden hit us with the classic Bernie Sanders. We got to go after the millionaires and the billionaires. Now, of course, everyone has made funny little memes and jokes that, that Bernie used to say millionaires and billionaires, but ever since Bernie became a millionaire, now he just says billionaires. Yeah. Biden hit us with the millionaires and billionaires, which I couldn't tell if that was a line that was meant to be kind of a dog whistle to the Bernie Sanders wing of the party, or if that was just a misstep on his part. Um, but and then a couple of more that kind of happened in, in short succession, because this was a point in the debate where, I mean, there's just screaming, right? They're, they're just two old men screaming at each other. Um, Biden did double down a little bit and say that we have to fix the virus. That that's like, that's job number one for me when I'm elected is, is we're going to, quote, fix the virus. What the hell does fix a virus mean? Can we please get a doctor in the room to tell us what fix a virus means when the president of the United States says it? And then he followed that up with this. He 
he went on a diatribe saying that absolutely, he said literally, nothing has been done to help small businesses. What was that stimulus bill that was literally trillions of dollars of pork? Now, granted, don't get me wrong. It was way more pork than it was stimulus for anyone that matters. And, and, And I'm not, and again, we could sit here and debate the economic issues of such a bill, but I'm not really debating that. I'm just simply saying, how can you with a straight face not even acknowledge it was passed? I mean, what was it? How many trillions of dollars does a single stimulus bill need to be before you at least acknowledge that, well, it's disingenuous to say that literally no legislation has been passed under Trump's administration. They're only upset that they haven't passed more legislation, right? Well, and I think he let that go unanswered, if I remember correctly. He did let that go unanswered. Yeah. And and then finally, and I'll I'll take a break here and, and flip it back over to you. Biden said... You're the worst president we've ever had. Now, that was a moment. Now, don't get me wrong. I know Biden. I know Joe Biden hates Donald Trump. I know this. But, of course, the history lovers of us in the world would say, well, Abraham Lincoln, Woodrow Wilson, FDR. I mean, take your pick. It, I mean, even George W. Right. Bush had torture chambers all over the world. But, I mean, Donald Trump's pretty bad, but he didn't institute some of the horrors of programs that currently exist today. He didn't drop atom bombs right. on the Japanese. He didn't deter, inter, deter uh, a couple hundred thousand of his own citizens in camps during a war. So, hyperbole aside, that was kind of the moment where I felt like if Biden doesn't clear the cobwebs, this thing's going to get ugly for him. Yeah, I, I don't think he has a lot left in the tank. And even if he is able to cross this finish line and emerge victorious, mm-hmm. you know he's not going to be the one calling the shots. He's, I think at the most he would be a placeholder until the end of the administration. That would be the ultimate goal, I would assume, because then his vice president, Kamala Harris, could possibly squeeze two more terms out. So that's 12 years of of complete and total uh, tyranny. And I I fear what would happen for, um, this is why I'm so glad, for instance, uh, national reciprocity never went through, because you can imagine now with with them being in charge of all those, and well, they're not in charge, they're just making, no, they're going to know everybody that has one. And then what's going to happen is Harris is going to say, I am here by revoking by executive order, because there's going to be some bullshit shooting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every national Every every nationally recognized concealed carry permit today. Yeah. And you carry your firearm, boom, federal, and we're going to make it a felony. So then you lose all gun rights forever. Yeah. That that leads me to this. This was probably, and I think I messaged you this last night when we were watching. Biden, Biden had hit Trump on not having a lot of specifics. He basically has... He showed up to the debate, and and frankly, Biden is correct on this. Trump seemed completely unprepared. He didn't really have any particular data. He he had a lot of blowhard statements, but a, a lot of mood shifters. But he didn't have really any cold hard facts to speak of. And then Biden, other than football, other than football, other than football, but. And he was glad to and, do but, it. And then Biden came back with that he does have an economic plan, and he described his economic plan. And by the way, this is this is correct because Biden has a, a a political ad out on TV right now that says this. He has an economic plan that's that starts with quote buying American. And I thought so. Joe Biden's economic plan is basically economic nationalism. How is that any different than Donald Trump? They sound like the exact same candidate on this issue. 
You know, and you have to wonder, I think this is just a flaw that was inherent to the Constitution, because how did we go from an office that was just supposed to be the individual presiding over the legislature who signs into law the bills that they put forth on his desk, his obligation is to veto them if they are unconstitutional, Mm -hmm. to being the one who has a plan for jobs, for the economy, for racial inequality, inequality, sorry. Um, And all I could come up with was there's a provision in the Constitution that provides for the president to give to address Congress Mm -hmm. in a State of the Union speech where the president can suggest ideas. Look how far that has come. I think that was one of the biggest mistakes they ever put in the holy parchment. Let me get your impression on this, Suzanne. Donald Trump, of course, they're now they're trading barbs of, well, you're a white supremacist. Will you disavow your white supremacist <laughs> groups? Well, you're, you know, you're you're a part of the 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 socialist BLM and Antifa movement. And and Trump has said, Will you disavow Antifa? And Joe Biden said, quote, Antifa is an idea, not an organization. So for one, yikes. Are ideas hurling milkshakes that are made of concrete, you know, uh, at people? Are are ideas bashing people, uh, you know, trying to bash people in in the head with skateboards? Are ideas looting? Or you know? But I will pose you this, Suzanne. Which which who of the two candidates who came off worse for this? Does Biden come off worse for saying Antifa is an idea, not an organization? Or does Trump come off worse because he didn't say any of the things you just said? Again, another opportunity missed. And I think it was also a big blunder telling that other group while they're standing by. Standing by for what? Yes. That, you know, that's... What a, what a very... At best, it was a poor choice of words. At worst, he's he's giving tons of ammunition to people who genuinely think he's a white supremacist Nazi sympathizer, and he's telling a group, and I'm not here to debate the virtues of the Proud Boys. I'm just sitting here telling you the mainstream sees the Proud Boys in a certain light. And him, oh, him not distancing himself from the Proud Boys, while at the same time kind of letting the dogs off and not going after Biden on the Antifa's just an idea concept, he lost that one. It would have been such an easy win for Trump, but he didn't. It's I, I don't know. I, I guess what I'm, I'm not saying that Biden won that point, but Trump didn't win it when he could have. It was an easy yeah. win, and he threw it away. Yeah. So what do you what do you think for the next round? I mean, at this point, I wouldn't necessarily bet my whole life on that there'll be another round. I, I'm sure there will. I, I'm sure that they're not going to cancel the other debates because, I mean, let's face it that that was the kind of TV and ratings that the networks want, right? But yeah. I I try not to make exaggerated statements. I mean, being a historian and knowing a lot about history and, and, and past presidential elections doesn't make me feel more qualified to make outlandish statements. It actually makes me more hesitant to. With that said, was there ever a worse presidential debate than what we saw last night? I I can't come up with one if there was. You know, what was really interesting, this was the first time I'd ever seen a presidential debate where they never brought up immigration, mm-hmm. not even once. Never, never mind, it's not a delegated responsibility of the general government. Mm-hmm. Uniform rules of naturalization are. And this is another thing that gets the conservatives, you know, red, white, and blues in a in a 
tizzy because they they think that well you, you know you're not a nation without borders well we're not saying you know we're not a nation but we're saying from a historical standpoint yeah. they were never delegated that authority and what i tell people every single issue that we are fighting over over right now every problem that we have across this continental landmass that is taking national attention is because we have become the united state of america yes. and not these united states who were sovereign and independent and responsible for their own firearms regulations, their own marriage institutions, which again, I don't think government should be involved in that at all. You know, but with, with regards to who's going to live within their country, I wrote an article for 10th Amendment Center, uh, the constitutional solution to immigration. California, if they wanna have open borders, let them, but no federal funding, they must be you know, financially responsible for their own decisions and the consequences thereof. Well, then they can cross the border and sneak up. Well, they won't have they won't have the same benefits if they maybe come into Nevada that they do in California. They're going to follow the money, and the states should be able to decide. But you know, then we have the Supreme Court ruling. Well, you know, these kids can't be denied public education. It's not their fault. So now they know, no matter where they go. Mm -hmm. They get the free education. They get all this. And I'm not I'm not saying open closed borders. I'm saying from a federalist standpoint, that's the issue. And again, they get it wrong every time. All of these issues that are discussed, there wouldn't be a national problem if they let the states handle this and the general government would be much smaller. We wouldn't have to be going through this and just look at how ludicrous, what kind of person wants to lead 330 million people. Yeah. I love that article. I don't know if you've seen it by Burning Platform. Mr. Sociopath goes to Washington, you know, and I, I really think that he thought he had this this debate in the bag. Yeah. And for somebody like Biden, who's going to be making it up as he goes along, he better be able to know his own statistics, what he did right, what he did wrong, and not just go, well, well I have a mask too. Yeah, that was, yeah. that's, there's, there's some spinal fortitude so right I'll there. I'll say this for the, for the remaining debates, uh, I hope they look at the rules. I hope that they, no, no open discussion nonsense. I've never, I've never been to or participated in a debate that had anything called open discussion. That's horseshit. Yeah. You have, you have remarks and rebuttals, and you have opening and closing statements. Now they had said before the debate started, we're not going to do opening and closing <laughs> statements. Each person gets two minutes to answer a question, and then after each person gives their answer, independently of the other candidate, then we'll have a quote open discussion. I totally disagree with that. I think what you do is yeah. you have opening statements because that allows the candidates some time to kind of get things off their chest, set the stage of, of kind of where they're at for the evening. If they if they have any unfinished business or breaking news, that's the time to address it. And then for each question, each person gets two minutes to answer a question. And then and, and you take turns. Candidate one, answer. Candidate two, answer. Then, can, and then candidate two, rebut candidate one and say 90 seconds. Then candidate one, rebut candidate two, 90 seconds. The moderator can, the moderator can have the uh, judgment call to give an extra, say, 30 seconds to a minute on a particular question. Then you move on. And as far as I'm concerned, if those are the rules and both parties and candidates agree to the rules, then you should have no problem with there being a kill switch on your mic, right? Because you agreed to the rules. Absolutely. If you're going to break the rules you agreed to, your mic should be cut. If if that's a problem, then your mic should only be on when the moderator says it's your turn to talk. 
you know, and behavior like that does not really instill confidence no. in the people that are voting for them. I mean, these these individuals will each have the codes to the nukes. <laughs> <laughs> Sleep on <Yeah>. that. <laughs> so I hope that they tweak the rules. I hope that they are much more firm. I hope that they I hope that they get a hell of a lot better moderator than Chris Wallace. But as I said at the beginning of our talk. While there's a million people that can do a better job than Chris Wallace, they've also got to address how the debate is run. Because, my, because I mean, 15 minutes into that debate, there was nothing Chris Wallace could do. It was over. They, they, Trump had already just taken control of the floor. And if you like Trump, sure, you might be sitting there laughing. But again, Trump... A Trump voter is not who Trump needs to be inspiring. He needs to be inspiring a centrist. Right. What you know? What's the old adage that when you're in the primaries, you run to the right or the left, and then in the general, you run to the center? Can you honestly say either of those guys ran to the center and picked up a bunch of votes last night? No, I, I, no, I don't think so either. Well, I'm gonna so, I'm gonna pin you with this, Suzanne, because I already asked you if nachos are a salad. So I'm gonna ask you. I'm not gonna let you go without answering. Who won the debate? I cannot say Trump won. Mm -hmm. And I, I would have to say, if there has to be a winner, maybe Joe by a leg hair. Oh, God. So I, so I agree. I, I think I'm really disappointed at how many people, especially in the Liberty community, I saw carrying water for Donald Trump today. Guys, Donald Trump's a piece of shit. And if I see you carrying water for Donald Trump, you could just unlike my page. This is not the program for you. Um, as, as we discussed on this 30, 40 minutes that we've talked about the debates, there was a lot of meat left on that boat bone. Donald Trump could have absolutely taken Biden to the cleaners, but he didn't. Sometimes it was because they're in complete agreement. Sometimes it's because Donald Trump doesn't want to piss off part of his base that you and I don't agree with. And other times it's because Trump flatly looked unprepared. He flatly looked he unprepared. He looked tired, too. And yes, at the end yeah, he looked I tired. Think, you know, these guys are both in their 70s, yes. right? Um, so you know. I'm, I'm going to say that while I agreed with basically nothing Biden said in terms of the debate, not in terms of who I think is a good president, in terms of right. the answer is neither. In terms of no, yeah, well, this would be a quick. In show. terms <laughs> of the debate, I would say it was fifty-five forty-five Biden. I'll go with that. I think if Trump, if Biden shows up the exact same in the next debate as he was in this debate. All Trump has to do is is channel that 2016 Trump that has a little bit more cutting humor, but but and and it's it's one thing to speak over someone a little bit; it's another thing to just to just scream and ramble. If if the moderator does a good job, if the debate is more structured, if Trump allows Biden to hang himself and then ties the noose, doesn't let him off the hook when Biden makes missteps, then Trump would win the next debate easily. But if but if yeah. last night is any indication, Trump was angry and defensive, and it was not the Trump that people voted for in 2016. You know, if I was undecided and I watched that, mm -hmm. I would think, you know, he almost seems like he's he's offended that he has to be he has to put up with this. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's 
again, I mean, I, I can't be more critical of just how the whole debate went. I absolutely think it was the worst debate in presidential history. Um, I mean, and neither, neither candidate is innocent. This is not a, oh, boo-hoo, we're crying crocodile tears for, for Joe Biden. No, Joe Biden right. was an absolute clown as well. Um, but Trump was just more so. Both candidates interrupted, Trump more so. Both candidates made some wild statements, but maybe Trump more so. Um, I don't think either candidate exactly had a love affair with Chris Wallace, but Trump more so. So at the end, and, and, and while I think Biden set himself up for bigger failure, Trump completely being reluctant to capitalize is what makes me give a slight nod to Biden. If, you know, yeah, it was a, it was a huge uh, lot of opportunities missed. Like one of them, and I'm going to go back to another election just to give you a quick example, mm. was when Mitt Romney was in the um, in the debates and Rick Perry yeah. was talking to yeah. him and getting after him about illegal immigrants. Mm. And what did Romney say? I'll never forget this. He said, I had to talk to my landscape contractor and say, hey, you can't have these illegals working here on my place. I'm running for president. Perry should have. You know what he should have done. Well, 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 wait a minute. You were okay with this until you were running for president. I mean, yeah. these guys set themselves up for some real zingers. I mean, character is what you do when you think nobody's looking. Mm -hmm. So what do they do? They go and tell you exactly what they're doing and why they want to stop doing it because now people are looking. So, you know, expect more of this disingenuous, yeah. expect, expect more of the pandering uh, for both, you know, from both sides, the identity politics based on race and everything else and, and uh, the gender and, you know, the women, of course, the oppressed women, the women. Who, you know, the yeah. women, they can kill their babies, but they're oppressed. So anyways, that's all I have to say for all this. I really had fun. Thanks for having me with you. I had fun, too. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just going to end with if I was going to give Biden any advice, it would be. The Biden that we saw at the end of the debate needed to come out a lot sooner and not let Trump control the stage for 30 or 40 minutes before Biden woke up. Vice versa, if I was going to give Trump any advice, could you could you at least look like you prepared for five minutes before you walked on stage? Jesus Christ. It's yeah. I, I, I understand that he's a very I'm not going to say arrogant. I'm going to be nice today. He is, I know he's a very confident individual. And he sees himself as such an alpha in the room, and he thinks of Biden as a beta. But you know what? You're running for re-election for the highest office in the land. You could look over your notes for 15 minutes. Yeah. My advice to Biden, and I, I agree with yours with Donald Trump, is um, bow out. Spend what time that you have where you have some mental clarity mm -hmm. With your family, the fact that his family has not insisted upon this yeah. is, uh, to me, it's it's abusive, and I feel bad because I, I saw how quickly my mom declined, and uh, to see him going down that same road, and that they are wasting some very very precious quality time, I think that's the most tragic thing about this. He's up there for this big shit show when he could be home, enjoying his family, surrounded by his loved ones. Joe, go home. You know what? On that note, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that Donald should bow out too. I think they should just both yeah, let's just, just both bow out. Shut, shut it, it down, down. <laughs> guys. Thank you so much for staying after for the late show. I I, I didn't really get a, a much time to talk to the chat. Andrew Avery, Jonathan Carranza, 
Dennis Marburger, Lyle Durio. Thanks for, for sticking around with us for the after show. Celeste, uh, Adam, everybody who is here tonight. Thank you so much. Um, I don't, Thanks, everybody. I don't know if we're going to keep doing, I don't know if an after show is going to be something that we do every week. We did it the last couple of weeks because there was like more than one really big story in the news and we already had an episode planned and all that. I, I don't know, but, um, as I always say on the cop episodes, if they just keep killing people, then we'll just have to keep on talking about it. So if they, if they just keep having horrible debates, then I guess we'll just have to keep making fun of them. We're here for you. Thank you so much, guys, and we will see you next week.